Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Whenever unidentified aerial phenomena are reported, there has to be some kind of rigorous process of investigation in order to be able to discount terrestrial causes, such as aircraft, flares, atmospheric activity, or, in some cases, outright hoaxes. Join us on Aliens Explored as we look into some of the most famously failed attempts to expose us all as nothing more than gullible fantasists. Welcome back listeners to Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast where we look into UFOs, you you are we too sure about that? That's easy for me to say. Let me try that again. UAPs, UFOs, uh, otherworldly interventions and the strange and mysterious out there. But this week... We're not really looking at the strange and mysterious. We are looking at the mundane and terrestrial, aren't we? I'm I'm one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. And uh, yeah, this week we're looking at some famous UFO hoaxes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, I was I was prompted to this by um, a program that I watched on BBC iPlayer. So only our British viewers will be able to watch this. I think it's available for about the next year and it's called Hypernormalization. Documentary, I think it's about two and a half hours long, but it's worth a look. And what hypernormalization is, is this idea, this perception that basically what you're being told, you know that what you're being told in the media by our politicians is bullshit, but you don't know what the reality really is so you you have to live in a world that you know to be bullshit so that's that's the hyper normalized state that's your your normality is something that you know not to be true um but one of the segments in this show was about when the u.s air force was testing the stealth bombers that which were new in the mm-hmm. 1980s they're testing these stealth bombers in um in the southwest USA, over the Arizona desert of Southern California, in the in the UFO belt, as it were, but it just happens that the UFO belt is also a very good testing ground, clear blue skies over an open desert for testing aircraft. And because they wanted to keep their stealth technology secret from the main competitors at the time, who were the Soviet Union, um, they actually put out UFO sightings in the media. They said they'd spotted right. yeah. So, so the, the, the U.S. Air Force or the Department of Defense put out these UFO sightings in case anyone had seen one of these aircraft. They say, "Oh yeah, I heard." They'll, they'll tell their friends. Their friends say, "Oh yeah, I heard something or I saw something on the TV about that." Yeah, they, there was a UFO spotted, and the, the, to kind of wrong foot them to put them to kind of kill the story about prototype aircraft. And I mean, mm. if you've ever seen um, a, a B one bomber. I saw one when I was in California in about 2001 and there was an air show 
and um, American air shows are quite a different thing from from UK air shows because obviously in America they have far more space and I saw this B1 bomber and it really does look completely alien it's like nothing you've ever seen in the sky before and it's actually quite sinister it's this black sleek shape and and then there was this sort of rumble because uh, at UF, US air shows they have enough space to do an actual bombing run so that people can see how destructive this thing can be um, so yeah so yeah, you, you will believe you see something like that, especially if you've seen it from a... Well, I mean, I saw it fairly up close, but if you were in the desert and you saw it at a distance, you'd think, wow, what, what, that's, what is this triangular shape? What is that? Yes. Well, indeed, you get um, a lot of triangular shapes mm. um, and, and as in usual, UFO community. Yeah, as usual, you know, it will be reported to the local air traffic controller say, well, we never picked anything up. No, because it's this new technology that's supposed to avoid <laughs> radar. Well, instantly, I mean, that, that screams to me um, the readiness of the government's to to put out disinformation on UFOs, they're, they're certainly not shy about doing it. No, so basically, if they're testing a new prototype aircraft, which was, it was actually a an evolutionary leap in in aircraft technology, um, that and, it, and they don't want people to see it, but it's very hard to test an aircraft, even even in the wide open spaces of the American Southwest it's difficult to test something like an aircraft which travels huge distances in very short space of time without it being without without being able to say that yeah definitely no one saw it people will have seen it so you kind of put these stories out so anyone who tries to report it will be dismissed as a crank yeah yeah that sounds um that sounds about right to me uh mm. I, now I, i'm i'm going to say sort of quite early on uh, we're going to have possibly a little bit of fun here talking about some of these these hoaxes some mm. of them i think are quite amusing mm. in their own right but but as, as albeit an amateur and and i'm very much an amateur ufologist i i hold my hands up to that um i cannot whatsoever condone or approve of any ufo hoax because it only serves to detract it, it's not taken seriously enough as it is, hmm. ufology. Um, and hoaxers will only detract from that. Now, I, I get quite passionate about this, particularly about crop circle hoaxers. Hmm. And we've, we've talked about that at length in previous episodes, so I won't repeat myself here. But uh, I think, you know, the same thing applies with this. Um, so while you're here, as like, we'll be talking about this and maybe having a bit of a laugh about them. Um, do not in any way take that as any sort of um, <sighs> condoning. Although doesn't the um, yeah the fact that we you know, that these hoaxes exist and they are unmasked show that we do actually apply some rigor to our investigations into UFOs. We do actually look at you know, we we are looking for terrestrial causes of it. It's only when we can't come up with one, when we can't see how it was how it was done, that that's when we we apply the magic. But so when when someone does a crude hoax, if they if they they throw a, a, a trash can lid into the air like a frisbee and and photograph it, well, mm. yeah, we 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 will get that. Or they dangle something on a wire, yeah, we will we will get that. Um, well, there's there's two thoughts to that. So one is um, if it's really that obvious and it it's absolutely clearly a fake and that's picked up. Well, it didn't take much sort of 
serious investigation to do in the first place. Mm. Um, So uh, that one really wouldn't apply there. But also, there's there's a danger with it that if we're looking for a terrestrial answer, Mm. um, you know, it's it's the old thing. You find what you want to find, and if you're looking for um, for it to be a mundane thing then you'll find it to be a mundane thing uh, true scientific investigation comes at it with an open mind uh, absolutely I mean and also we are we are far more used now to, to good cinematic special effects if you watch old alien invaders films from the 1960s 70s you know, even I guess even into the 80s the special effects look really ropey so this is mm-hmm. Hollywood with, with all its resources for special effects. Even they can't make it look really real. So what chance has a private citizen with a, with a camera and a, a, a trash can lid got of, of doing something that, that w- will convince anyone? So it's only in recent years, it films like Fourth of July, I guess, that uh, they, they've been able to do something that, oh, that, that actually does look really convincing. And I suppose maybe back in the 60s, back in, back in the 50s, people were... That convince you, or even the, the Flash Gordon films of the 1930s, you know, the things that are dangling on a, on a wire with a, a firework in the back, Flash Gordon's spacecraft. But having seen 21st century special effects, you now look back at those and think, oh yeah, that's really ropey. So maybe at the time, people were more easily taken in by that. Yeah, but you've got to bear in mind the, the nature of how these things are being watched. Um, mm. So you, if, you, if you go back, I mean, I'm, I'm well known as being a, a Trekkie. I'm, I'm mm. a huge Trekkie. And if you go back and watch the original, as it was first transmitted, uh, episodes of, of Star Trek, the original series from the 1960s, mm. it looks awful. It's grainy, it's blurred, it's out of focus, the colours are muted. But it wasn't designed to be watched on your 50-inch plasma flat-screen TV. It mm. was designed to be watched on, you know, a 5-inch black-and-white screen. Well, absolutely. I mean, I mean even, five even, inch. I'm even, exaggerating, but... Yeah, but even in the late 1990s, uh, when I worked at the BBC, and I, was, I, was, I was, ended up in the studios, and Noel Edmonds, a, a, a British DJ, had a, a TV show, Noel Edmonds, what was it, he's... Saturday Night Live or well, his house party or something. And, no and Redman's house party with Mr Blobby. With Mr yes. Blobby, yeah. And he lived in a kind of <laughs> castle. And I could see the sets for it and it just looked like crappy cardboard. Yeah. And um, I said, that's not the actual set, is it? And they said, oh yeah. They said, but on television, it looks like actual stonework. And this was in yeah. the late 1990s when you're watching it on your, on your low definition plasma screen people still had um not plasma screen um cathode ray tube television yeah um that will look perfectly fine in in the 1990s so it really is a 21st century thing where we have this digital kind of um clarity to our to our images that yeah, the, the, yes. where that kind of thing just won't stand up anymore 
it's it's one of the issues that um so again i mean coming back to the star trek thing a lot of people are talking about sort of um remastering stuff and bringing it you know the the images mm. crisper and clearer one of the issues they've got is that of course they use prosthetics for a lot of the aliens well mm. you can see the the lines where the latex meets the skin yeah. when you actually remaster this stuff it looks crap because it was never designed mm. for that. Um, I mean, they, they even have some issues where um, you've got things in, in the show called isolinear chips, which are, are props, mm. basically. But they'll have little bits of writing on them, or, or mm. a door panel might have some writing on it. And they'll use, like, quotes from novels and, you know, kind of silly little gags in it. Mm. Well, of course, when you start remastering this stuff, you can start to see it as a viewer on screen and they can't allow that. They're actually having to change stuff with CGI when they remaster it because they can't show what was actually written and recorded in the first place for copyright reasons wow. and all sorts of things like that. They, yeah, it runs into all sorts of trouble. It just was never designed to be that way in the first place. Um, but we, <laughs> we've done our digression thing. <laughs> So hoaxes, um, then. So, what hoaxes have you have you come across? Well, perhaps the most famous one, if if indeed you can call it a hoax, was Orson Welles' um, radio version of the War of the Worlds, which apparently had people in a panic because they thought because the, the way it was the way it was scripted, it made it sound like it was an actual news report. Yes, yes, um, it was, and had people apparently in a panic. They were prepared to believe that New York had been invaded by Martians who were basically, basically gone on a murderous rampage with their high-tech weapons and were just destroying everything. People believed it. Um, and I think Orson Welles came in for some came in for some flack for that, but it also was the making of him. It, it really got studio bosses excited that someone could create this kind of sensation across the... So there's a, um, yeah, whether, yeah. whether he said it was a hoax, whether he intended to have that effect, or whether he just thought that would be an, an interesting way of scripting a, basically a 19th century novel and bringing it up that's, to date. That's an excellent... I mean, and you're right, quite right. It, it made... Yeah, it was the making of him and, and, and of course, of the story, mm. which was... I mean, it wasn't an unknown story, but I think it was unknown by mm. mass media. Um, by the masses, but yeah, um, no, that's an that's an excellent. I, I ne it never occurred to me to think of that as a hoax, but um, perhaps an unintentional. Or do you think there was in his mind when he did it, kind of a? I wonder if I'll get people believing this. Well, apparently, it was the panic was among people who missed the beginning of the show. Right. Um, they they were they 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 well they they missed the introduction. Um, so mm. they just tuned in to this news report saying, oh, and the aliens, they've destroyed the Empire State Building. You know, they're slaughtering people in their thousands. Uh, people, are hit, people are in their cars. People are heading out of town as quickly as they can. They're getting, the aliens are destroying them with their, with their disintegrator rays. Um, yeah, that, that's what they tuned into and, and had no reason not to, not to believe that it was real. Well, it's, um, I mean, it's something you get even to this day. So you and I were recently involved in a, a radio show um, that was, 
I mean, we can we we can say this. I'm I'm sure it's fine. Um, so it was put out in a very ambiguous way as to whether or not it was genuine. It was mm. um, very much like some listeners might be familiar with the black tapes uh, mm. kind of thing. Um, this one was called folklore. Um, I might try and get a link. Uh, yeah, I might try and get a link out on social media to it because um, hmm. you and I were both involved in that, and it it was put out as a. You're listening to it, you don't know if it's real or if it's hmm. just a show. Uh, so yeah, that that kind of I mean that's very much in the the Orson Welles style, but without the warning at the beginning. <laughs> yes, but you know you, you know what you, you click on it because it's yeah effectively you click on it and and you know what you know you look at and I guess there were people who didn't have any kind of radio guides they didn't have a radio times or whatever they, they would just uh, mm. tune and you know they, they, they would of an evening they would just sit down and turn on the radio and see what was on or listen to what was on turn the radio on yeah i mean conversely um of course 9 11 a lot of people turned the tvs on and thought they were watching a movie yeah um you know so you've got the opposite kind of happening there Gosh, yeah, no, that's that's an excellent um, example. Mm. I'm I'm going to give you one um, going way back to 1967 here in the UK. Uh, there were six what seemed to be downed, either landed or crashed flying saucers uh, between the Thames Estuary and the Bristol Channel mm. uh, that turned out to be. Uh, apprentices from uh, now it's the RAE. I know that much. The Royal um, Aircraft Establishment at, at that's Farnborough. The one, yeah. Thank you. Yes, um, during their rag week, you don't hear about rag week so much these days, do you? Um, no, I guess well, not. I, mean, I don't. No, I it's think been it, years it was, since I've heard of rag week. Yeah, it's. I think it was a thing when when I was at university back in the eighties. Yeah, but it uh, was when I was. Um, yeah, a little bit after. But yeah, is. It, it, it was more about raising money for charity, doing doing silly things to raise yes. rather than not like um, yeah. you know, the, the kind of hazing that you might go through at an American university in order to join a sorority. It was not it's not that brutal, but yeah, they they were doing it to raise money for charity. I don't know how they would how that how that worked, but I no, <laughs> I, yeah. would, I, I don't know either. But uh, but yeah, but that's. Um, I mean that that I would say is an example of a uh, of a harmless, um, yeah, so fun stunt. So six spaceships that occurred across um, yeah. southern England on Monday, fourth of September, nineteen sixty-seven. A major police and army response followed the discovery of the space. Did which, it? Yeah, which were 40, <laughs> 54 inches long. What? That's one point four meters. And thirty inches wide. That's um, zero point seven six meters. And twenty inches deep. Half a meter. Oh, weighed, I didn't know there was a police and military yeah, response they, to it. Yeah, they, they weighed a hundred pounds <laughs> and emitted an electronic noise. The six craft were located along the fifty-first line of latitude from the Thames estuary to the Bristol Channel, roughly equidistant from each other. One at each new housing estate near Queenborough on the Isle of Sheppey, Bromley Golf Course in South London, a horse paddock in Winkfield Village near Ascot. And the village of Welford near Newbury in Berkshire, Chippenham in Wiltshire, and on Dial Hill in Clevedon in Somerset. Um, it just uh, so that's right the way across the bottom of England. Yeah, from from the Thames to the the 
the Bristol Channel, so the, the narrowest part of of the south of England. So they, they created their... The, the their, narrowest part of the thickest part. <laughs> the narrowest part of the thickest part, yeah. <laughs> so they, they, they were made of fibreglass fiberglass halves, covered them in metal, with no aerials or portholes visible. Um, inside each source was placed electronic equipment so that it would make an eerie sound when the source was flipped over. Um, each source was also filled with a mixture of flour and water. They carried the sources into fields. Here they flipped the sources over, causing them to emit the electronic sound, then left the field and headed back to Farnborough. None of the teams were detected. Um, so when each of the sources was later reported to the police, each, each area was cordoned off. The British Army's Southern Command, several police forces, Army Bomb Disposal Units, RAF helicopters were all mobilised. So these things were just on the ground. Yeah. Uh, they, they should have notified yeah. um, the authorities that they well, were doing that. Yeah, so when one of the sources was drilled into, the mixture inside exploded, covering police officers in foul-smelling slime. <laughs> Gives the that names. Quite funny. Yeah, two <laughs> pranksters, both ages just twenty-one. Um, so, yeah. um, no action was taken against the hoaxers, and they raised two thousand pounds for charity, which in nineteen sixty-seven was enough to buy a house. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a, that's a, a pretty good ragweed. Yeah, it is. They should have notified the authorities, though. Um, absolutely. Well, um, I guess that fantastic. was the whole. That was the whole idea but uh they they they, they weren't punished they there was all oh it was a joke well i think in 1967 if you did something for a joke as long as no one was actually injured or killed then the, the, the police would just laugh it off oh ho, ho, that's that's a good one sir very very good it was a different time it was a different time different different yeah. attitudes kinds of things that were regarded as just pranks or hijinks which would be regarded as criminal offenses now Hmm. So, well, what else you got? Um. Well, all these hoaxes seem to start back in the days, back in the, back in the, towards the end of the nineteenth century. All this whole thing started with airship hoaxes. Um. Mm. Even though, even though an airship is is really a thing, that various one of them was a, a helium balloon with a a burning wicker basket suspended underneath it. Um. Another one in in Dallas, um, two schoolboys, uh, three schoolboys, um, hoaxed a mystery airship sighting by soaking a cotton ball in kerosene, <laughs> tying it to the leg of a turkey vulture. When the bird was released, witnesses to its light shouted, look, it's the airship. But the hoax was discovered when the bird landed on the roof of a nearby school and set it on fire. I, I worry with that one about was the bird injured? Because having a bit of burning stuff tied to its leg, how would I, it get away? I assume away? On, a, on a long string that wasn't actually setting the bird on fire. But even so, probably fairly distressing for uh, an animal. Um, now, of course... Conquer on that one. <laughs> um, there was the alien pit photograph of an alien taken at Ilkley Moor in 1987. Ilkley Moor in West Yorkshire, December the 1st, uh, allegedly of an alien, um, the English newspaper The Daily Star, which um, is probably, actually it's not the least reliable um, newspaper 
in in Britain. I mean, there's the strict, there's tough competition for that for that prize. Um, it's definitely gutter press. It's gutter press. I mean, it's not quite National Enquirer um, or, or, or Sunday Sport. It no, does but purport heading to be t- that way. But but given Different. the way, here's here's a good example of the way the Daily Star works. Do you know the story about the falling cow in the Gulf of Japan? No. There was a story that was put out that um, um, a Russian transport aircraft was, uh, I think this was back in the Soviet era, was preparing to take off when the crew noticed a cow nearby and thought, we'll have that, we'll have that for our dinner. So they herded the cow into the back of their transport aircraft, <laughs> took off, and they were up in the sky at their, their cruising altitude over the, the, the sea of the Gulf of Japan. When, and they had this animal running out of control in their transport aircraft. They, they, yeah, it, was, it was endangering them. So what they did was they opened the back door, and, uh, or they opened the, the hatch, and let the cow run out where it fell 20,000 feet or whatever and hit a Japanese trawler and sank it. And uh, the crew were apparently arrested. They, they were picked, the survivors were picked up. I think they all survived. They, they were picked up. And when they gave their story, they were arrested because no one believed them until it was it was actually verified that this cow fell out of the sky and crashed through their ship. Now, th- this story went out on the wires. It went out, I think it was on AP or Reuters and was picked up the new, by the New York Times. And because people just liked this story, they didn't check it properly. So this story spread a long way before it was eventually revealed as a hoax. And of course, then the hoax became the main story. That, the, that how this hoax had gone out and and had been reported in in serious newspapers, um, but then after the hoax had been reported, the Daily Star front page they reported it verbatim as it happened. This cow fell out of a Russian transport aircraft and sank a Japanese trawler. So that's the kind of that's the kind of level they deal in. It's a good story. Why let the truth get in the way of it? So um, so not the most reliable source. Um, they. The, so there was this picture of an alien in its edition of July the 2nd, 1989. Um, um, although they, they, it was the Daily Star that claimed to expose the hoax, saying that the alien in the picture was, in fact, an insurance broker, um, not suspecting he was being photographed while he visited his clientele in the outskirts and cut through the hills. Mm. Um, Belgian investigators analysed the case, stated... Um, it's in French, basic translators. But how can we imagine that experienced investigators could have been misled by such a casual hoax? You took a picture of an insurance broker doing his rounds and said, oh, this is an alien. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say with that, but you're saying that one is a hoax. It's never been proven to be a hoax, that one. And the hmm. jury is still very much out. Now... Um, the Daily Star are one of these papers you know it's a bit like the whole when we've said about crop circles and Doug and Dave mm. you know oh look someone's come forward said it's there right well that must explain the whole lot because that's like mm. you know uh, and no real investigations done so that strikes me a little bit like that one I'm not saying it isn't it, it is genuine mm. it's just it's never been proven to be a hoax or to be a mistake just mm. theorised that it's an insurance salesman. Yes. So, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to give you one uh, from a bit more recent, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just back in 2011, okay. um, in Siberia, 
there was a man who posted on YouTube a video of what looked, what appeared to be a tiny sort of like couple of feet across crashed vessel of some description mm. with what appeared to be sort of this 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 tiny alien creature and it looked very much like the grey aliens just just incredibly small like you know oh, homunculus yeah this weird kind of thing um it it, it was splayed out um outside the craft it appeared to have had a, a leg torn off um and was apparently dead and he took some real close-up video of this thing where you've got this translucent almost wet looking skin on it and it appeared oh. to be naked um turned out th- i mean it, this convinced a lot of people who thought this was absolutely genuine um and it turned out he he hoaxed it himself oh. he's admitted to this um and he made the alien out of chicken skin stuffed with bread wow now i've i've watched this video and it really does look really convincing this guy's got a career in special effects ahead of him so he, um, he peeled off a chicken skin and made a doll out of it basically um, wow but now now the interesting thing and that i find about this uh this particular story is there are people to this day that say no no it was real he's being made to say hmm. that he faked it by the governments out there and this this kind of comes brings me back to this is one of the problems with hoaxes hmm. is it it dilutes things it it pollutes the actual information out there now i personally i believe he hoaxed it he, yeah. he did a fantastic job of it um but the fact that there are still people out there saying oh no 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 it's real i mean they might be right they they might be but you know there there are all sorts of motives behind hoaxes uh, I haven't got time for this one um, it reminded me of the 2009 Morristown UFO hoax where a couple of guys in New Jersey um, a Joe Rudy and a Chris Rosso um, they basically attached they attached red fl- re- floating red lights they attached red lights to, to helium balloons floated them over New Jersey and they claim that they de- they describe their hoax as a social experiment with the ambition of exposing ufology as a pseudoscience and raising consciousness around unreliability unreli- of witness claims. So five five flare lights attached to helium balloons, um, which were seen in the towns of Hanover ta- Hanover Township, Morris Town, Morris Plains, Madison, and Florham Park. So yeah, but the hoax was seen through. And not just that, but that is incredibly unscientific. Hmm. Science says, let's try this thing and see what happens. Not, let's try and prove this idea that I've got. Um, I think it's this way. Let's go out of our way well, to prove that to be the case. And it failed anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a social science experiment rather than a natural science experiment. So basically what they want to show is that people will swallow this crap. It's, um, I mean, but a scientific experiment, whether it's social science or, or otherwise, uh, would say, um, okay, there is the possibility that people are just like seeing mm. things that, that aren't really there or whatever, um, mm. or they might be seeing it. Let us put this theory out, you know, let's test this 
this this idea. That that's saying I believe it's such and such, let's prove that I'm right. Mm. Which which is 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 bad science. That's bad science. Yeah. Um But it's it's okay. kind of muddying the waters, isn't it? Um yeah, I'm I've I've got one more um one more hoax to, to mention and this is not really a, a, a UFO or UAP hoax in of hmm. itself um, now some of our listeners might be familiar back in 2000-2001 on computer message boards um, back in the day there was someone claiming to be called John Triter who hmm. claimed to be a time traveller from the year 2036 Mm. who had gone back in time to the 1970s to pick up an IBM 5100 computer um, because that was able to speak to um, other computers in the future that had been damaged by a, a, a civil war and an electromagnetic pulse had wiped out technology. I mean, it's, it's quite complicated. Okay. And really, if you look up John Triter, um, it is a fascinating, fascinating subject. But there wasn't an alien component to this. Um, so he he answered many, many questions that people had and made some predictions, some of which have come true, um, it has to be said. Um, and one of the things he said is that this, there was speculation in 2036 that alien visita- visitors, whilst they still didn't know exactly who they were and what they were doing, the speculation was that they were actually humans from the future coming back to observe. Mm. Um, so, yeah, well, so we've, we've discussed, this, we've discussed this in a previous episode, haven't we? We the time have indeed. Um, but the whole John Trites thing, there's, there's, gosh, some people think there is something to it. And it's a, I mean, I'm saying it is a hoax. It's a hoax that's never been proven to be a hoax. And there's been massive rewards offered for anyone who can conclusively prove it's a hoax mm. uh, so there you go and the opposite of reward is because Rus- Russo and Rudy who led off the balloons with flares um, pleaded guilty to municipal ordinance charges of disorderly conduct and were sentenced to fines of $250 and 50 hours of community service yeah proof that it's not a scientific experiment <laughs> yes. that we're doing yeah. there we go fantastic um, so there we go let's uh, so hoaxes then, Neil. I mean, are they a bit of fun? Are they, you know, an, an amusing distraction? What What do you think of UFO hoaxes? Um, I suppose it depends on the hoax, really, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, I mean, if, if you're actually, <laughs> as a leading question, right yeah, there, putting, putting things in. I mean, I, I live in London, where you can't even fly a drone, so a UFO hoax. Putting something, putting anything in the sky, is regarded as a danger. If you let off, um, if you let off a sky lantern, um, well, that kind of thing is strongly disapproved of now because of the damage that they've, they've been seen to do when when they come down. But you know, there was always the idea, ho ho, I wonder what people will think this is when they see a light in the sky and not very high, um, travelling over. But yeah. Hoaxes, are they? I'm to tell the truth. I'm ambushed that question. Do I think they're a good idea? Do I think they're amusing? Um, I think it's. I think it, it kind of keeps. If you're a, a UAPologist, a UAPologist, 
you're a palogist. You, um, let's, yeah. let's, let's stick with ufologist. Ufologist. <laughs> um, it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? it you know, if you can, if someone puts up a hoax just to show that it's all a load of bollocks and you can quickly dismiss it and say, look, it was done like this. You can easily see how it was done like this. And that any time any kind of UFO sighting is, is, is reported, we will look for possible terrestrial causes. We're looking for balloons and flares and prototype aircraft and all sorts of things, uh, atmospheric conditions, all sorts of things that it could be before we, we, we start wondering, well, could this be a UFO? I, yeah, I, I can't approve. I, I struggle to see the positive side to them because, as, as I said at the beginning, it, it detracts um, and, it, and it gives... It gives the naysayers something to look at. And say, oh, look, it's all hoaxed. Well, um, I, I guess it, it's the motivation behind it. If it's if it's like with Rudy and Rosso, their motivation is to ridicule you for for even considering these things. It's it's almost it's almost yeah. You know, are, are these people employed by the government to to make anyone who questions these things look ridiculous? That's <laughs> that's certainly been yeah put forward as a theory. Um, and what do you think, listeners? Are you know are hoaxes just a bit of fun, or are they damaging uh, to a scientific field? Do let us know what you think um, in or, the comments. Or if, or if you have perpetrated any hoaxes yourself, we would love to um, have a chat with you about that. Yeah, not not in a not in an aggressive way. Not in an aggressive way. No, we, <laughs> we want to have a chat with yeah, you. Yeah, we'll, 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 you don't need to. We'll, we'll actually come round to your door. <laughs> not at all, not at all. No, no, no. Um, yeah, if you have hoaxed, um, yeah, we want to hear about it. We want to hear why you did it, and mm. um, and we won't be too um, we won't be too hard on you. We promise. We're genuinely um, interested. <laughs> yes absolutely we want to understand so um so do get in touch by the usual means and twitter and facebook uh, by searching aliens explored or you can find our links on the website aliensexplored.com uh, and don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast they really do help us um do join us next time uh, when we will be looking into the Arthurius Society. The Arthurius uh, Society. Have you come across those before, Neil? I haven't, no. Oh, that'll be an interesting one. They're a, um, a I suppose you'd call them a religious group uh, okay. that uh, does believe heavily in alien intervention uh, in our lives. Yeah, we'll be going into that in some depth next week. In the meantime, though, uh, keep watching those people doing things they shouldn't be doing in fields, and I do mean hoaxing, I don't mean other stuff. And the scars. (laughs) Take care for now. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit aliensexplored.com. <laughs>